Hey there, humanoids. This is David Shoemaker here with a very exciting announcement. Your favorite wrestling podcast feed, The Ringer Wrestling Show, is now going daily. And you can hang out with me and Kaz on Mondays and Thursdays for The Masked Man Show. And you can join me, Peter Rosenberg, alongside stack guy Greg and Dip, every Tuesday with Cheap Heat. And on Fridays, I'll welcome a friend or special guest from the world of wrestling. And on Wednesdays, we have a very special new show called Wednesday Worldwide that you're going to want to check out. Pay-per-view reaction, one-of-a-kind interviews, fantasy booking, talking about bagels. That's what we do here on the Ringer Wrestling Show. Follow the show now on Spotify and do us a favor. Give us five stars. And do us another favor and uh, stay mage. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Off Guard. I'm Pasha. As always, I'm joined by my guy, Austin. And today's an awesome episode. I'm really excited because one of my good friends is going to be our guest. Austin, why don't you tell the audience who's with us? There we got Vucevic in the house, bro. Big dog. Nikola Vucevic? Yes, Vucevic. Vucevic, yeah. What's Vucevic. up, guys? Vucevic. Thanks for What's having me on? on. What's going on, man? I'm really excited to do this because I feel like Obviously, I know you really well, but a lot of people don't know that much about you. You're a really good player that people don't know reserved, a lot about. Reserved. He's a reserved guy. Res yeah. Yeah. You're, it's like a Kawhi type of thing. Like, it you is. Don't really yeah, know yeah, yeah. About you just, you, you do your, you do your business and then off the court, you're like completely just, you know what I mean? I know a little bit about you. You know way more about him, yeah. obviously. Uh, but yeah, the world, I feel like, cause you just don't like, you could probably do a lot more in terms of like social media, Instagram, all these different things. And you just kind of choose to be more of just a, you know. Just do your work, kind of go back overseas, hang here in Orlando, chill out. Yeah, I'm not. I uh, only have like social media. I only have Twitter, mainly just to kind of read the news, you know, see what's going on in the world, things like that. I'll tweet here and there. I'll say some funny things here and there, but not very active. Yeah, Instagram, just not my thing. I'm uh, not a big picture guy. No, I don't like putting up my life out there a whole lot. Uh, I just like to keep private, you know, uh, my family, obviously, my closest friends, people that I know well, that I trust. I just feel like that just because, you know, we're always, especially nowadays, I mean, cameras everywhere. People want to take pictures. You know, I mean, you walk down the street, I, like a lot of times I'd be walking at the playground with my kids and I'll see like random people walk by and then like they're like secretly recording me. And I'm like, what are you going to do? Have you ever had you it when they had the flash on? And then like, they're no, like, they're like, accidentally it's like, like, oh, shit. I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't mind, but I'm like, what are you going to do with it? Like, you're going to watch me play with my kids? Like, so. It's more sending it to their friends. It's, that's what it is. I guess, I think, yeah. But yeah. to me, that's why like all of that, like when I'm like away from it all, I just want to be away from it all and do my thing. Uh, so yeah, I just was never really got into it. I thought about it a couple of times, getting Instagram, maybe doing things like that, but just wasn't my thing. So I was just like, man, just well, has stick your, to what has I like. Your, like but, have your people, your agency kind of try to talk you into getting an Instagram for like marketing? Oh, yeah. Many times, yeah. My agency people, like I know and things like that, opportunities I could do, things that I could do. It's just, I just always felt like, you know, always kind of pros and cons, like my time, especially now with the kids, my wife, everything. I'm away so much. Hey, like when I'm away from the game, like that's my focus, my friends, people close to me. And then, you know, obviously when I'm playing and when always me doing media and all that, that's different. But just, I think weighing both the good and the bad, I always felt like it's not really me. I don't want to do something that's not me. And I don't want to be out there, you know, having somebody else run my account. I just feel like if it's not me 100%, it's not worth doing it. You have an underrated Twitter, though. You definitely have some funny yeah, tweets. Some, yeah, my Twitter is not bad here and yeah, there. He's, yeah, it's a little small window into his personality. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> like, he can do yeah. a lot more on it, but it's yeah. really good. 
I love that. Yeah. yeah. So you two have a lot in common. You're both fathers of two boys. Okay. And love that. so let's dive into that really quick. Talk to me about parenthood. What's it like? I, yeah, I'll start with you, man. What, what, how old and uh, yeah. what's your uh, So actually, so my older is a uh, four and a half, two and a half, and then I have a third boy come in. He's due in June. Oh, man. That's awesome. Wow. Congrats. So Congrats. three boys, yeah. Y'all knocking them yeah. out, man. Yeah, I want to keep them close, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, yeah. Uh, it's harder, much harder on my wife because I'm gone a lot, but, yeah. you know, there's so little, a lot, of, you know, require a lot of attention, you know, yeah. make sure you're always there for them and everything. But we're thinking in the long term, they always have each other. Yeah. You know, they always be close to each other, playing around. So that, that was yeah, yeah. our thinking. I know we're obviously, you know, lucky and blessed to be able to do it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's been great. You know, it's the best thing. Probably be happen. like thankful in the long run, just because oh, like you got them yeah. out at one age. Once you get them all out, then like his, his wife can heal. They yeah. can move on. Right. You can well, just grow. Like, once I retire, you know, hopefully, you know, many years from now, but they'll be, you know, already probably in school. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, then my wife and I will have more time. So, but it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's been great. I mean, just watching them grow. I mean, it goes by fast. You don't even realize it, but it's been and the best thing to me. I mean, just spending time with them, seeing them grow, seeing them learn, you know, so then now they're, you know, especially my older one, he's at an age when he's starting to understand, you know, what I do and watching me and he plays all day and like, I'll come from a game, he'll be asking me questions, things like that. It reminds me of how I was when I was little. And so, so many things, I mean, that go into it, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, and I try to be there, you know, for them as much as I can, obviously when I'm home and, you know, raise them properly and uh, spend time with them. I think it's very important, but yeah, it's, it's been amazing. So, you know, have another one coming will keep us busy but be fun are you done after that you think three so to my wife you know yeah, if she wants to course. go for a girl it's always four. a wife it's always the wife's decision man happy wife happy life bro that's how it works yeah but we got i mean it's uh you know she does most of the work i mean she has to right yeah go yeah, through yeah. the pregnancy yeah, and then yeah, after that so yeah carry the body yeah I, I, I have to say that i have a lot of respect for you don't understand until you have now, the yeah kids. you really don't know and you're like it's nuts bro seeing it like yeah. them push out the child them carry the child the pain they go through the suffering even after the recovering then the breastfeeding like the nurturing it's exhausting like looking at it and then you know when when you have custody or, or, or when you have like time spent with these kids and it's just you say like your wife's out of town and whatever whatever or if she goes to the dinner with her friends and you got to take care of the kids for a night which i have to do all the time it's an amazing experience but you realize in the moments like how much work this stuff really is bro it's, it's exhausting yeah your youngest one actually i was at your house the other day and your youngest one rain was kind of us playing with him and I think after 10 minutes, I was kind of looking around for you. To, I was trying yeah, to like, yeah, I need help, I man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, he was all, he was, you can't, to he, was live, not, he was full court pressing me. I couldn't, any, I couldn't even watch the TV. Anytime you have to live your life and then consciously think of the betterment of someone else's life, you're like doing two lives at the same time. Because in, in well, your life, it takes a back seat. And it, that's the crazy thing. It's, yeah. it, you, you feel so vulnerable because it's the first time in your life where you care about someone else's life genuinely more than your own. You know what I mean? And it's a very scary feeling. You're snucking the word genuinely. <laughs> no, no, no. Because you care yeah, about yeah. your mom, you care about your dad, yeah, you care about your brother, true, you care though. about like your sister. Your kids are sort but of your different. kids are the first people in your life that you're like, I would go, I would sacrifice myself for my kid, man. And it's a scary feeling. I have like, I think of bad things sometimes happening. To, it's a thing like that happens to parents. You think of bad dreams, bad thoughts. Right. You like paranoid over certain feelings because like it's very like scary. Like I said, yeah, vulnerable feeling. I'm sure you're feeling it right now. It don't matter who you are. Bro. Are you guys definitely going to have your kids play basketball? Keep the legacy going. I'm gonna try to push him into it. I'll ask you. I mean, to me is, I mean, I think it'll kind of come naturally. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I definitely do not want to be that parent that's like, 
you know, forcing it and like, hey, you got to do this and that, like be just like, especially not at a young age. I think you got to kind of let it, they got to let him enjoy it. If I see that they're talented, they have a chance, you know, I'll try to steer them in the right, you know, direction. And obviously at a certain age, once they get to a certain age, you got to really take it seriously down, you know, obviously I'll, I'll try to help them and all that. But I think it's a fine line without, with like pushing too much and making it, for not making them not liking anymore because it's like forced to where you know enjoying it but being there for them so like nowadays i feel like a lot of parents are just pushing their kids so much like at such a young age like oh you gotta get private guys to work you out trainers like do all this like at 10 11 and years there's old there's a million trainers out there too i'm like the trainers are popping up everywhere no i'm like I mean, like your crazy. kids are 11 years old like just let them go in a playground play have fun like who cares like he yeah it's, i don't i i i didn't get like a ball pushed in my hand seriously by my father until like i was like second third fourth grade maybe like third or fourth grade and that's when he was like you know you started making you know i went to practice and stuff like that but it, it a lot of it has to be natural and organic the kid has to want to work he has to genuinely love the game like i did you know what i mean usually like it, it's tough man a lot of kids especially by former players like his kids are going to be in like mine are there's only like a handful of us in the nba and that's because a you're born with everything you're privileged you know what i mean you grew up very well that's the first aspect to it. And then the second aspect would be, so you have to manifest like a work ethic. You know what I mean? You have to manifest the same hunger because you're going up against, you know, 80%, probably 90% of the NBA comes from, you know, areas or, you know, family backgrounds of probably not like fortune. You know what I mean? Um, so that's what you're up against. And you have to like manifest that work ethic. The thing my dad did is just bring me to work. That's all he did. I, he just brought me to work. And I saw how these guys were. And I wanted to be just like him, and like nothing else. That's the natural. That's the organic yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's best way to do it. Like about. nothing else mattered. I didn't. I didn't want to be any. There's no plan B with me. Is either I was gonna be basketball or I, I'd have to go back to the drawing boards. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so. But it's not for everybody, though, man. That's why there's only a handful of us, and you don't see a lot of us really. A lot of former player sons, you see a good handful of them, but seventy percent of the league is not former players. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah. So. I mean, I agree with what you said. Like, same with my dad. He just kind of, I always want to go with him, practice games, watch him, do what they do, and it kind of came naturally. And once I hit a certain age, and it was like, I think it was like 14 or something like that, he saw I had a chance, I was talented, so he kind of sat me down and asked me like, hey, this is, yeah. is this what you want to pursue? Yeah, yeah. Like, he saw like it was really what I wanted. And that's and when the work begins. Like, and so he was like, all right, then, like, and then he explained to me how it works. And he was like a little harsh on me then because he went like, wanted me to like understand what it takes and so looking back now i understand it was the right you no know, at that time you're like man why is he yelling at me blah blah, blah. but then like you're understanding like this is what it took to, for me wow. to get here so now i understand it but so i think from that experience but i think also the other part is you know if your dad is whoever or your mom or whatever like you feel like a certain pressure people have certain expectations sometimes that also like makes the kid not enjoy it as he gets older like oh he's so-and-so's kid He's not good. Like you get judged right away because you have that kind of, you have that name that you're carrying. So it's not always easy. That's another thing you guys have in common. I was gonna say is that you're both the kids of former pros, and I th your mother played as well too, right? Yep, she did. Yeah. That's yeah. So you were definitely gonna play basketball. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> yeah, really up yeah, to yeah. you. No, no chance, bro. Yeah. But besides your your father, who did you look up to in Europe when you were growing up? Like who are the, who were the big players back then? I know there was a big boom of you know guy international guys coming to the nba and i'll add on to that age. i'll add on to that when when you were 14 where were you at like when you were like peak this is what i want to do i have this potential my father sees this in me when everything's coming together where were you at 14 like what were you thinking who did you look up to all those things i was back in uh montenegro then where, okay. where i'm from um 
that time I was a huge Dirk fan. He, uh, so yeah, I was a huge Dirk fan. Uh, that year, that summer, there it was a Euro basket and they played in uh, Serbia and he played for Germany and, uh, he was killing it. And that was the first time I really like, you know, cause NBA games was hard and you know, they were late. You saw highlights, things like that. But that was the first time I really got to see Dirk Dirk. He was really cooking and, uh, and, and uh, I was just watching, I was wild by it. And so that's, I loved him. Obviously before that, uh, when I was younger, uh, obviously I was a big Jordan fan. I think that's a given for everyone, except for Pasha maybe, but. No, uh, we'll get into that later. We'll get into that later. Yeah, You're yeah, team yeah. LeBron, but, we know that. <laughs> but no, but, and then there's the other guy, uh, I don't know if many people know him, but uh, his name is Dan Bodiroga. Yeah, yeah. Bodiroga, he, uh, he's yeah. the original guy that did the sham did him god. god. Yeah. Everyone calls it the sham god, but this guy actually he did it first, Bodiroga, yeah. And so he was like the best player in Europe, uh, played for national team back then it was Yugoslavia. They won no gold medals. Um, World Cup, European Championship, everything. He won EuroLeague, amazing player. Uh, and I was a huge, huge fan of his. Like, I, uh, he gave me his jersey. I had posters, like everything. Uh, so yeah, I was a huge fan of his. Uh, and then ended up later being Dirk. And then kind of, as you get older, you know, I was watching plays. So I think those two were kind of guys that are really, in Jordan, of course, but kind of. You made the move to the States when you were 16. Was that a conversation that you had with your father or did he kind of just tell you, hey, yeah. this is what you need to yeah, do? How's for that process like? I mean, like, they obviously, like you said, 14, 13 is when the age when that decision gets made. Like, hey, this is something we actually might see might be. Well, first you have to be good enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. I'm saying, I'm, I'm assuming with your height and your talent, yeah. kind of they're like, yo, this is. 100%. Like when I was growing up, my parents weren't like, hey, maybe Montverde is like the way we get. Like, they were just kind of. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so you have to be good right, enough, right, right. obviously. Exactly. The pedigree, right. so. And your, both your parents are hoopers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was that conversation like? Is America the way? NBA, like let's go big or go home. You know what I mean? Like, it, I mean, so in Europe it's very different. Like here it's kind of established. Like you go, you know, high school, then you get recruited, college, uh, and then like you know, hopefully it's the NBA or if it's overseas, whatever it is. But you, there's it's kind of already established in Europe. I mean, in Europe kind of is too, but it's harder because like you play for, so there you don't play for a school, you play for club teams. Like whatever pro club team is there, usually they have like, uh, you know, like a junior team. Yeah, junior yeah. teams like all the way from like under 12, 14, 16, 18. So you go through that. And then the hardest thing there is once you finish the under 18, like you're a pro now, but most good teams won't take on young kids and give them a chance. So a lot of times kids will like either play for like in lower leagues or like they'll go to a good team, but they won't play at all. So I feel like uh, that for me, when I was 16, I got to the like age, uh, I was really showing real potential. Like I was lucky because my dad was, you know, he was, from that world so he knew how it worked so he knew like how to like when he was thinking about it like what was the important things what was important for me like he saw my strengths my weaknesses what he thought would be important for me and so we like we looked at a lot of different options europe this and that and then uh through some mutual friends uh some I mean, people might know him nikola dragovic he played at ucla yeah so he uh what's it called uh, he's a good friend of ours and uh, he told me about the US and his experience and then that started intriguing us. So the first original idea was a, like, I'll go to high school one year, see how it works. If it's good, if I get recruited somewhere, if I like it, I'll stay. If not, I'll just come back. And so we kind of worked on that and then we we're able to find a, a, a little uh, prep school in California for me in Simi Valley, Sonich Prep. So I ended up there. Um, and then I, once I got there, you know, I was getting recruited and then USC came, they liked me. They recruited me and then uh, I ended up going there. Uh, so, and then, you know, all worked out in the end. But yeah, that that thing took a while uh, from, 
think from like March, April, when we finished our season, all the way until like August, I wasn't sure where I'd go, what, what would happen. I had different offers, different things. And we just waited all. I was like, hey, let's go to US, try it. You know, we liked the system, how it was working. My dad felt like it was good. Cause I was kind of a late bloomer too, especially physically. Like I was killed, but I was, my body was not there yet. And so my dad felt like if I get like a couple of years in college, it would help me develop my body. And obviously in the US, that part is much more established. Europe, you know, the lifting, all that, it's still a little bit so-so to where here, like that's a big part of it. And that's really what helped me really elevate my game because I was able to do all my skill work because I got stronger, I got bigger. I remember my first like tournament we played at Stornish Prep, I had like, we played three games, I had like six points total. Like I, I could not do anything because I was so weak, you know? And then I got stronger. And then when I got to USC, I remember my first pickup game we played, I was like, like, where am I? Like, what am I doing here? Like, it was just impossible for me to score. You had like, like Taj Gibson was there, but he was like, he was a junior, but he was over like 23, four. Did you come into the class with DeRozan? Yeah, DeMar and me, like, you know, DeMar was there. He was like, you know, freak, just, you know, jumping out of the building. You had all these other guys that were like, you know, almost like grown men. I was like a little kid. I was barely 17, actually. When I, got, I was 17, I was turning 18 in October. So it took me a couple of weeks. And then, uh, but yeah, Nick it was just- Were you there with Nick? No, it was two years before me. Okay. Yeah, it was Nick, then OJ was there for a year, then was Demar. Uh, yeah, Did you so. play with little Romeo there? Yeah, he yeah, came. He was, was, he, he yeah, came. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> he was there, yeah, yeah. He was a, but it's cool, like nowadays, like Demar and I, like like last two years, we've been talking about everything. So it's been fun. But yeah, it's just, that's kind of my, oh, Romeo's crazy. how everything went. Yeah, no, I just, when he's, I remember him and Demar DeRozan. No, yeah, right when you said Demar, I was like, Demar. I remember the P. Miller, uh, what was it? The P. Miller All-Stars? Yeah, they, yeah. They, they, they came kind of as a package. Yeah, 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 no, no, yeah. It was a package deal. Yeah. You want Demar, you get, you get Romeo, right? Yeah. What was the biggest adjustment Oh, not ba non basketball related. You said obviously like hitting the weight to getting stronger was yeah, you know, the toughest in Los thing. Los Angeles, right? But I mean, what's the biggest adjustment yeah, being in the states? I mean, it's just I mean a whole different culture. Like I mean, my English I could understand a good amount of it. Like spoke uh, a little bit. Uh, just the whole culture adjustment, like how people are here, how they live, how they like, how they you know think, how they view things. Like for me, it was a big shock, you know, coming from uh, Montenegro and you know Europe, and uh, so it was. Uh, that took me some time. Uh, most language and then just being about myself, having to, you know, learn to make my own food, do my own laundry, pay my own phone bill, like things like that. I had to do it already at like 16, uh, which I think it was great for me because yeah. it helped me mature and you know, yeah, learn all those things. But yeah, like the first couple of months were for sure it wasn't easy. You know, get homesick, you miss your friends, you get thrown into like, you know, we were living with this family. They're a great family, you know, that took care of us very well and everything. But like, you know, you don't know anything, you know anybody. Like we live in a suburb, so like the first store was like forty minute walk. Mm. So you had to do like things like that that I never had to do before because you know you had your parents and everything. So it took me a couple months, but I mean it was uh, once I got uh there was also some other kids there uh, from France and uh, so, so I speak French since I lived in Belgium. So that kind of helped because you know I was able to speak with them and we kind of went all we went through together through it together. So that helped and uh, but yeah it was I mean. It wasn't easy, but it helped me like mature quicker and figure things out, you know, Who was, at a young age. When did you realize you were going to be in the NBA? I know you came out of your junior year and you had a big junior season. Did, was it kind of during that season or before that you always thought the NBA was going to be there? I, like the first time I ever thought it was a realistic chance was my sophomore year. Like when we were playing a couple like good teams and I've had like some good games against guys that were supposed to like be first round and they ended up being first round picks and whatever. Like I realized like, well, I have a chance. You know, I didn't know what it would be. And then like my junior year, I really like took took off and exploded. And that's when I realized I have a really good shot of being like first rounder. But even when I got to the NBA, like 
like I always, you know, thought of like going, you always want to go further and further and further, but uh, for, like, I was just first happy to be there, you know, try to establish myself, see who I can be. And then year by year, I was just able to improve. But yeah, not until my sophomore year and late, like sophomore year, that I realized I have a and chance, then, you know. And then you just decided, obviously, your senior year wasn't necessary. Yeah, I just felt like after my junior year, I, I just felt like there was nothing I could do in my senior year that would really help me that much. If you're in your first yeah. round pick. I and mean, I, and also, a... what other thing was, I felt like people, like some people were a little surprised they had me like late first, early second, but. Like knowing some of the guys I played against, I'm like, you know, I know I'm I can be better than these guys, and so I had a lot of confidence in myself that once I go through the combine, the whole draft process, people, and you know, the thing that's funny is the thing that really like helped me the most was when I went to the combine and I measured at like six ten or whatever I was, and I had the highest standing reach and the highest the longest wingspan, and so that like was the huge like the biggest thing. And you were like, like, oh, so you were like, and a it just I went from like early second to like locked like top twenty. Just because of that, because people everybody thought it was like six eight, six right, nine, right, right. non-athletic. Like, what is he doing? And then, like, once I actually was much taller and much yeah. like my wingspan, then people realized, like, because people didn't really, I guess, see me as much at USC, West Coast, all that it was a little different. Um. Okay. So you got drafted by the Sixers. Did you know anything about Philly at the time? At that at that point, you've been in the states for a while, so you knew obviously the makeup of the roster. What was that like? You went in there. You were excited. No, for sure. I mean, they had a. Uh, Good roster. I felt like it was good opportunity for me. I would have a chance to, you know, play some minutes, had some good vets. Uh, so it was a. Uh, the only thing that sucked it was the lockout year. So I get drafted five days later, lockout. Nobody knows when we're playing. What happens? So I go overseas for three months. Uh, I play there uh, for a team back home, and then uh, you know, lockout ends. We get caught up. We play, and um, I think we start up like right around Christmas to play. Like we had two weeks of camp. So that kind of you know, made it tough because you, you didn't have the whole like summer to get to like learn about the NBA, get adjusted and things like that, find a place to live. Like it was all so on the, much on the go. Uh, so but I think my first year, it was it was like up and down. Uh, I played early on and I didn't play as much. You know, we played well as a team then we didn't like things like that. We went to the playoffs. I didn't play much in the playoffs, but Overall, looking at it all, I think it was a good experience for me going through like playing, not playing, uh, learning to deal with it. It's not always easy. You come from college, you're like, man, you know, you're playing, you're doing whatever you want pretty much. And then you go to yeah, the NBA. Yeah, in college, you're like the guy. You yeah, and then you go to the NBA and nobody's like, like, who are you? Like, especially unless, unless you're like a top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like pick, top like, 10, yeah. top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it was right. like, so it was good for me to kind of bring me down a little bit, humble myself again and figuring out, okay. So it was a good year. I didn't play as much like towards the end as I would have liked, but uh, then I get traded in the summer to Orlando, which obviously that was a huge thing for me because I went to a you know, great situation. Yeah, I had a chance to play a lot. Uh, it was a huge thing for the city of Orlando too. We won the Dwight Howard trade. The Dwight Howard trade with Andrew Bynum and Dwight. We had we had got Aaron Aflalo, I think, right? Yeah, more heartless, me, Aaron Aflalo. You're the reason we won the Dwight Howard trade. Yeah. It's you're, you're the best player out of that thing. Yeah. I end up working Go, out because Dwight, Dwight left the Lakers right away. Bynum never really played for Philly, so ended yeah. up working out yeah but for me it was great because i came here obviously they went to a rebuild but at that point for me it was good because i had a chance to establish myself and so obviously obviously everybody knows my nine years here was you know really good you know each year i, I got better two all all that and so when again i traded to chicago what and was it like making out. an all-star game in like to, like you said like your first year your first experience of the nba in philly you're like kind of going through i'm sure at at times thoughts of like i don't want to say like 
panic or anything like that, but you're like, man, I'm not playing. Or the, you know, I'm sure you've heard good and bad stories being sure, overseas yeah. about the NBA. You're now over in the NBA. You're, you're living this dream, but things aren't going the way that you really wanted to go in terms of playing time and et cetera. You get traded to a good situation. You work your way up to making a fucking all-star game. You know what I mean? Like I played in 11, I've, I played 11, you know, years in, in, in the NBA and I've, I've never made an all-star game. You know, that's always been like a, at this point, that's a fairy tale, but you know, it's a dream for a lot of guys for you to be able to make that, you know? I was, it was, I mean, for me, it was, uh, and one of my top things that I've done as a basketball player, you know, it, it's really hard to, to do it. I mean, you know, only 12 players make it from each conference and there's always like, whenever they announce a team, there's always like five more that you could say, oh, they could have been in, you know? Right, 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 right. So right. there were a couple of years where I felt like, you know, I had, you know, the numbers to be in it, but you know, as a team, we weren't good enough. And so it took a little while. I mean, I, I made it my eighth year. Uh, but yeah, the, the moment they announced it, uh, that I made it, I was uh, like, it was one of, like, that. For when I got drafted, I had the same reaction. I was just like, I could not like speak any right. words. Like people were like congratulating me. Like we were actually standing for the anthem. I heard it and just like, I just had this huge rush of emotions. Like more like, like me myself, like I, I felt like I deserved it and I was part of that. But you know, un until you actually get it, right. you know, until like they actually give it to you, like you're just like, eh, like it's not, now when you, once you hear your name being part of it, just a huge accomplishment. You know, it was uh, just, everything that I put in uh, to the game and everything kind of just kind of pays off in that moment. Like those are the rewards you want, like, you know, making an all-star, you know, going to playoffs, you know, winning in playoffs, going obviously everybody's dreams, championship, but things like that is kind of, and then what happened to me is it motivated me to even go further. Like I, I want to make another one. I want to. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, get hungry, you get a taste. Yeah. You, get hungry, you, yeah, want, you more. want more, more, yeah, more. You so want more. That's kind of what happened with me. I didn't get satisfied. I wanted more and more. Love that. And so, but yeah, it was just, I mean, awesome for me, you know, going there, having the whole experience, uh, having my friends, my family there, you know, going through it all, playing with all the, obviously being around all the best players. You know, for me, that first one I went, and for me, what was really special is they gave Dirk and D-Wade honorary, like, selections as the last oh, year. Oh, dope. So, you got so the, I got to play with Dirk, share the court with Dirk. So, yeah, yeah, so for yeah, me, yeah. that was, like, really uh, amazing. Yeah, yeah, so I got to talk to him there a little amazing. bit, get to know him. So that was really cool for me. So that was a great experience, you know. So you, I, was, I mean, you yeah, stuck yeah. it out through some rough Orlando rebuilding years. So no, for I, him to be there and ride the whole thing out to get then, to the playoffs, All Star, right? Yeah. How do you feel about your place in Magic history? And, and then end up on an All Star game with it's one of your one of your heroes. You're right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's crazy. It's trippy. I mean, uh, I don't know history. I mean, I don't know. It's it's tricky because I, I I wish I had one more. I think that would have helped my legacy a little more. I think individually, you know, I had, you know, I play well. I had good numbers and everything. But I Bro, think the to last make an all star game the, is fucking. Uh, last cool. one, two of them. Yeah, yeah to make the, the double it up, you yeah. you validated it, yeah. bro. You no, know, no, what I mean? like that's... The, 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 no, making the playoffs for me with Orlando that was a huge, like, also thing because, like, it took seven years. Yeah, no, yeah, seven years to do it. Seven or six, seven years to do it. And uh, like when we won in Boston, I'll never forget. Like that, I also had the same rush of feelings. I was just like. Like I was about, they had me like do radio or TV or whatever, and I was just like, you got to give me a minute. Like, I gotta like get you it guys were like the together. Game one superstars, man. Game one, y'all beat with oh, yeah, the Raptors, Toronto, yeah, yeah, DJ yeah. Toronto, the Milwaukee. Yeah. I remember DJ, the bubble, yeah. DJ beat Milwaukee. Yeah. I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we were crazy. Now, DJ right? Augustine, game winner, yeah, thirty the, or something. It's the Raptors. Yeah, 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 that was, but yeah, just also that making the playoffs, going there finally, like after all these years of like the losing, the like. 
up and down, like, you know, you're losing your building, then like, you know, all this, and then you finally make it. It was just so rewarding. And then like, we made it next year again. Well, it was a COVID year, we made it again. And then, uh, so then I get trade after that, but it was just, uh, yeah, those, those are things I remember. And I think making the playoffs, making the all-star really helped me kind of establish myself as one of, I, I would say like some, one of the best players that played for the Magic and something I take a lot of pride in. You were so good. You were too good. And we couldn't get a good draft pick because you just kept making the playoffs. You're the reason we kept drafting in like uh, the, the team. Towards the there. end, yeah. Towards the end, yeah. So yeah, yeah. Was, um, yeah. I wanted to ask you, what was your first kind of welcome to the NBA moment? Did a guy kind of really like bust your ass maybe in, the, in your rookie year? What was your moment where you were like, oh shit, this is different than anything? Uh... Hmm. I don't. I mean, I got dunked on by Javale McGee like second game. It was his <laughs> exhibition game. But. No, Javale would dunk on. <laughs> I, mean, I would say that. I don't know. I, two, seven, I'm not. I can't really remember. I mean, the first game, like a regular season game, was in Portland, uh, and they had Lamarcus. And I remember like watching it, and like I wasn't sure if it was gonna play or not. You know, the crowd there is pretty good. I mean, it was it was really good that then. Like, now it's because the team's not as good. But then they were good. They had a good team. And uh, I remember watching LaMarcus just doing work. I was like, don't put me in. I don't want to go in there right now. <laughs> I don't I have none. Like, so I guess that I wasn't part of it. But in my mind, I was like, I, this, that's okay. I'll just sit this one out. I'll play the next one. Yeah. Uh, and the next game, actually, we played in Phoenix. And I remember, like, I, I barely, I got in. And, like, right away, I had, like, some tip in. Like, that was my first bucket ever was, like, a tip in. And I kind of like broke the ice. It was fine with that. But yeah, like moments I remember, like my rookie year, like Kobe, uh, we played in Philly. He needed like 24, five points to surpass Shaq, uh, whatever number that was an all time scoring list. And he didn't like the first half, but it was like yeah. crazy shots. Like, crazy. Why like, don't you uh, tell us your welcome to the NBA moment? Because you told me not when we were recording something about LeBron in an exhibition game. Yeah, it was a, it was a preseason game. Um, and we played the Heat after they had won. Um, and this is the year after they had won the championship. And we had uh, Dwayne Wade, you know, Chris Bosh, LeBron James, the team, the game, you know what I mean? And uh, we had a uh, preseason game on ESPN. Super nervous before the game, just because it was on ESPN. All my friends were watching and we're playing against like this team. I grew up playing, you know, obviously all of us. We all watched LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh. You call them the Heatles. They were the Heatles. Go ahead. At that point in time, yeah, they were the Heatles. They were yeah. they, they were the most popular team in like sports. You know what I mean? And um, we had a preseason game in Miami and it was just like a circus. And I remember they came out and they had the music bumping and their warmups. And I, I'm like trying to, you know, I'm locked in, I'm focused, I'm confident. But at the same time, like I'm going through warmups and I'm like, when you're going to the back of the line, you're looking at the other side of the court. And like I'm seeing Dwayne Wade and like LeBron do the layup. And I'm like, man, I'm really like in this game right now. And you have to like hold it together as a pro just because you have to approach it with that level of confidence. But I had a moment where the ball was stolen. I had the ball in the fast break, long story short. And I see like the crowd raising up. And I think they're like doing it for me. Like, you know what I mean? Like my ignorant rookie, just whatever self thought for whatever reason that the crowd was raising up because they thought I was going to do something special. I was literally about to like try to go and do something. And I see like, I feel it in my peripheral. And like, I can see off the, like the fucking glass, the backboard, LeBron James is like fucking running me down. That's what they were raising the... Yeah, they were standing Obviously. up. They're standing up because they thought I was gonna get my shit pinned against the glass. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I like, go for a layup and I pass it off to like my teammate, 
uh, Jason Smith, who I don't, I don't even remember what happened. It's just I got rid of, <laughs> I got I got, I got rid of the ball. I, you know, was, that was my welcome to the league moment as a rookie. Is the first time I was like, well, you know, I panicked in like a game instead of being confident and sure in my abilities, like what you do in college and high school. For naturally, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's the first, it was my first moment in the NBA where like I I'm I'm doing something and I just like panicked. I had just like pure like. Oh. You also panicked because you were, I mean, the, you were starstruck and layup Yeah, no, lines. I was in awe. I was <laughs> yeah. in awe of the moment. You know what I mean? Like, it was just like, whoa. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, 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 that was my welcome. Like, yo, you got to get ready. This is the NBA. You know what I mean? So, and I've had many more since then, but that was like the first one. The last thing I'm going to bring up that you guys have in common, is that at the risk of sounding annoying, is that you guys, all three of us, we love Orlando. Orlando's home. Well, me and, and him have even more in common. We have the, the vehicle. The vehicle addiction. Oh, okay. Well, we'll get into that. We'll get into obsessive that. Cars. For sure. But yeah, yeah. so what, why, why do you still have a home in Orlando? Why is Orlando home for you? And I feel like you're just going to settle down, I'm yeah. assuming here. Um, what is it about Orlando? Just because you spent a lot of time here? Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, being here for so long. Uh, but mainly, I mean, just their relationships have established with people here, uh, you know, over the years. You know, I mean, I came here as a kid. I was 21, two, whatever it was. And then, you know, I left with two kids, you know, married, two kids. My life completely changed, but just to me mainly, I mean, I always said, uh, it was just the people I've met here over the years. So many great people, people I've been very, you know, close with still. When I worked for the Magic, outside the Magic, uh, I always felt very welcome here. I always felt like a, you know, second home to me. Like, I think when you leave home uh, at such a young age like I did, and, you know, you're kind of switching places, like when it was in Simi Valley, then with the USC, then Philly, then Orlando, like, it's a lot at a young age and short period of time. Yeah, right. And uh, like big get, cities too. Yeah, and then you make for sure, and then you make it to like you f find a place where you feel like they've you know accepted you and like it's you know you feel comfortable, you feel like you're at home. I think it, it means a lot to you, like the way. And then also for me, like no, early on I didn't necessarily like feel, but as the years went on, like I could really feel like I, I was welcome here. People really like genuinely like like me, respected me, like everywhere I went, and so. He just kind of, you know, really stayed with me. And um, especially the last couple of years when I went, you know, made, made the playoffs, the also everything that, like, you take it to a whole other level. And just, and on top of that, you know, we feel like it's a really good city, you know, great weather, people are nice. Yes. Orlando loves uh, you for sure. Yeah, we, I mean, I've gone out to dinner with him. He's got dumb love. People, here. people, people are, obviously, they're you huge, play but... for the Magic for a period, especially, wait, nine years? Yeah, eight and a half, yeah. Eight, eight years, eight and a half years, man. Like, that's a, a long period of time. Two All-Stars, you you helped them to the playoffs. Yeah. Badge. You know what I'm saying? 100%. T-Mac, Dwight. Yeah, like some of the guys who are made, you know, who, who else made an All-Star game? T-Mac, Dwight, Steve uh, Francis made Jameer one Jameer Nelson made an All-Star yeah. Jameer Nelson. Shaq. 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 Yeah, yeah, Shaq, obviously. Um, Vooch. I want to say, did you say T-Mac already? Yes. Yeah, what about that. Rashard Lewis? Rashard Lewis? Yeah, yeah, he's valid. Yeah. yeah, Rashard's definitely in there. Low key, I'm gonna throw Turkaloo in there. No, he never yeah. made an All Star game. No, no but Turkaloo is valid here, though. Yeah. No, no, of sure. course. Like, everybody, everybody, big shots. JJ, big time player here. JJ, JJ, people love JJ here. But JJ's best years were in Los Angeles. It's a fact. Yeah, people like JJ. Los Angeles and was Philly here a lot. Were his yeah. best years. No, no, totally. I'm not arguing that. Yeah, at all. Yeah, he yeah. was. I think he was a reserve. Yeah, or, yeah. no, not even a reserve. It's one thing to come off the bench and have consistent minutes. He wasn't. And Orlando was like that was like the beginning of JJ. Yeah, but we drafted him. As we Orlando drafted him. Yeah, and, but no, no. Um, that's a always we. a special place. It's a we. To, no, it's, I, I'm, I'm a diehard Magic fan. Yeah, you know, you're okay to sure. say we. Yeah, so when you draft someone, I think you know we brought him in. I think JJ yeah. was. Yeah. But he, that's a different badge, though. 
all-star playoffs, like it actually having the weight on your shoulders, it's a different type of cloth. We're talking Steve, Dwight, yeah. T-Mac, Penny, Shaq, Booch, Jameer, because he made an all-star game and he was putting in work. Um, Anyone in that final, that's like, it. finals that's team it, gets that's a lot it. of love, That's though. it. That's it. I'm putting in that class. And, and then, there's, she, then there's a class of like Turk, Richard. Right. You might even put a shard in that first group, but like Turk, JJ, yeah. you know what I mean? You have like magic favorites. You know what I mean? Like Daryl Armstrong played here was a huge hard like, and hustle. Hard and hustle guy. He like, won six man of the big year. Big magic Most guy. Improved yeah, yeah. Or something. Nick, yeah, 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 Nick yeah, Anderson yeah. is uh, up there too, though. Nick Anderson, sure. exactly. You know what I mean? Like you have that crew. You know what I mean? Dennis Scott. Like you have like Orlando. Did you say Bo Outlaw? No, he's, he's, just, he's all over. Like he's, out, he's in every game. He's, he's statistically, statistically, I'd have to check into Bo Outlaw stuff. Oh come on! No, I love I love Bo. <laughs> Bo's an Orlando legend, but there you go. That's there's first tier, second tier, third tier, fourth tier, fifth tier, sixth tier. Like I'm not saying where everybody's at, but he's definitely first tier. All star, all star being the focal point. Yeah, and you didn't mention playoffs. Scott Skiles' 30 assists in a game, NBA record will never be broken. But yeah, Scott Skiles. You don't think 30 assists will be broken in a game? I that's impossible. It definitely will. Really? The way the point game is the way the cards, game is going now with how many possessions there are, someone will break that record. For I don't sure. think point guards don't are like scorers now. You know what I mean? There's not a lot until of there's one, until there's one that's not. Well, Halliburton, he still averages twenty a game. I don't even know who's the past first point guard out there. I'm not saying it's going to be broken in the next three or four years. It's I'm just saying. tough. The point guards are so athletic now. Everyone wants oh, them to score. So no one, no one breaks says, will. No one breaks will. Did someone break will. Someone that's closer. You're, you're closer to people with Jack still. No, 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 no. People no, no. are just gunning. I out think. There. I think. I think the assist is closer to 100. I think. The, I think someone will break 30 assists before 100 points. 100 points is fucking insane. Fooch tiebreaker. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I've I, seen I, Rondo I, I, get 24 <laughs> assists. You know, what I'm saying? there are no more Rondos though. If, if, you, if you had to say points or assists, uh, 24 assists for Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard this year had 70. Both of them had 70. So they'd have to have 30 more to get 100. And 30 itself is a great game. Someone has 30, I'm calling my homies after, like, yeah, I had 30 tonight. You know 30 is mean? a great game. It's a great <laughs> game. It's a great game. No, thir- it's a great you, game for no, the family over here. 30 and above, you feel like you've made every basket yeah, in yeah, the yeah. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, yo, I made it, you know, I had a big time. It's a big time night. For sure. Like, so you feel like you're the only player to score. fucking fairy tale. 100 is insane, bro. The whole team would have to be in on it. I think if you can, I think they're the same level. Like, 30, yeah, 30 assists is like slow. Like, it's, it's 30 hard. assists is crazy. 100 points to be scored, the whole team has to be in on it. It has to be a mutual decision before the game that if I get hot and something gets going, like, you guys are going to help me get this. Is there a guy that's that alpha out there that would be able to, the team would go I rally around? I think if Damian Lillard got stupid hot and shot 60 shots in a game, I think he could go for a fucking 100. Someone, that's 60 shots is a lot, bro. You'd have to shoot fit. How, how much is shit? How many? How many? If you're scoring 100, I want it to be really what did, what efficient. Did Kobe Otherwise, shoot, what, it's a little tacky. You, you got to shoot 50 at least. 50? With threes and stuff too. Yeah, yeah. So Free I would throws, say fifty-five man. to sixty shots. What is everybody just went crazy for Steph scoring fifty? What he had fifty? Thirty-eight shots. Yeah, thirty-eight shots. Okay, so by that, you're shooting about sixty to seventy shots to get a hundred. I don't like if someone's shooting seventy shots. I don't think I want to attend that basketball game. Seventy shots is nasty. I think the assist might have a better chance. Think when you think about it that way, I think the assist might have a better chance. The NBA playoffs are back in full swing, and you can turn crossovers into cash with FanDuel. Just visit fanduel.com slash ringer NBA right now and place a $5 bet, and you'll get an instant $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. 
For example, tomorrow Philly is a plus two underdog against the Celtics at home, and I'm definitely rolling with Philly in that because I think the home crowd is going to get behind the newly minted MVP, Joel Embiid. There's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. Just go to FanDuel.com slash RingerNBA and sign up to get 150 bucks in bonus bets when you bet your first five bucks. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 and up in present select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Let me ask you this, just related to basketball news and, and what's going on lately. What, 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 I, I, I'm curious to, to know what you think. What do you think of the, the the Dylan Brooks situation and them announcing? I've never heard of that. In my since I've been in the league, I've never seen in the beginning. I mean, I'm like a week after they got eliminated, a team publicly announced that we are not going to have him on our team next year by any circumstance. No circumstances, like the no circumstance part. Blow. I, I don't know if that's a team that said that, or I don't know who's responsible for putting that out first and saying the no circumstance. Never but say never. It no only, circumstances it, yeah, crazy. Saying never say never. Now limit. Now you can't bring him back. Yeah. It hurts his trade value. Yeah. It hurts his overall value in the league. I just don't understand why you would do that to Dylan. Even if Dylan did the wrong things and like went about his whole like villain process the wrong way, I feel like putting the no circumstance. I don't know. I didn't really like that. I got to be honest with you. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I've, I've never seen that before. I don't think across almost any sports. Yeah, they they have a lot of other problems, and for them, I just hate the whole. But here's my thing, right? No one likes the way Dylan was handling his business. I like. I don't Dylan. think he does. He but was doing media he, anything he, afterwards. But he, you say, you, but like he antagonized it. He like ran with it, bro. He went from being like a guy that talked a little bit of trash to like becoming this thing, and it seemed like each week he did something crazier. Whether it's his outfits, the you know the, the stuff he said, the LeBron comments, like bro, it got bolder and bolder and the bolder. The whole team was doing a lot of crazy stuff though. It was. It was synonymous. It was synonymous with a lot of Memphis turmoil and like things that were going on. Listen, I already have one friend that no one likes in Memphis. So I, I can't I'm asking. Two. I'm asking you too. Do you think he was a scapegoat used in this? Absolutely. They have, they need to address a lot of issues, and then they think that they could just you know obviously not bring him back, and then that'll solve everything. There's a lot of issues there. It's not all Dylan. Absolutely not. Right. It's but that's one the, person. But not bringing Dylan back by no circumstance. Again, I don't agree with certain things that he said or what he's done. But like, I met him. I bring... met him and talked to him multiple times. He's a. He's a. You know him better than I do. He's a cool ass dude. 
Why don't I just not bring him back without yeah, making that announcement? You, you can just not bring him back and not say anything and trade him this summer where he has a, a certain amount of value because you can say whatever you want about Dylan Brooks. He's a proven role player in the NBA. Yeah. Is he this, this, and that? No. He's he in the rotation. That's he has stuff idea. to work on. Jump shot, this, right. whatever. But he's a proven rotational player and a big-time player for the Grizzlies in terms of their winning and their success. To say, to put that out publicly only hurt his value. Why not just trade him and then just move on? And then after, be like, yo, we were never going to bring him back. You could say that if you wanted to. Sure. Just say it a week or two. You're not after. a fan of when people hurt someone's free agency or like when someone. I don't someone's... like when you fuck up a guy's money. Yeah. I don't like when you play with a guy's pockets. And I guess the argument against that would be he did that to himself because he he. But he when your team says not bringing you back, I, I, I don't is. like man, dude. We all have a window in this NBA, man. It's this fucking long, bro. We play, and the NBA should be about getting these young men in here. Because we make them millions. We make the owner millions. We make the program millions. Each and every player has an output to that. There's levels to that, but each player is a part of that. Their goal should be to get the players the, much, the most money as possible, the safest way as possible, and try to at least help them secure their future, the kids' future, whatever, whatever, right. man. To, when, you, when you start putting out like certain propaganda and stuff out there in the news that like fucks with guys' wallets, yeah. I, I don't like that. The, the whole world's against him now. He already had a lot of people against him because of his comments, but now like the whole circuit, like this Grizzlies comment was just out of pocket, bro. I don't like it. I'll be honest. I mean, that's just my opinion, but I, I, I think it fucks with his bread. I'd be, cur- I'd be curious to see your opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how that, the whole, uh, if the Grizzlies actually said that or that was leaked or whatever, like the way Shams or put it out there. Yeah. Shams, oh, but and I fuck with Shams too. Yeah, Shout out to Shams. Shams He's a legend, sure. but I, so I don't know what, what happened uh, with that exactly, but yeah, I think it's tough for, for him now because he's, you know, now he has this thing that, you know, everybody's going to kind of hold against right. him and things like that. And it's, it's tough because he's about to head into free agency. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I don't, I think the thing, I like whatever, like the trash talking, the way he was doing it, like to me, like you do you is fine, like whatever. But I the only thing I think he did really, really messed up is like you lost, like you can't escape. When you duck the you know, media, like you yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah, you gotta yeah. own it. Like hey, yeah, I did yeah. this, it didn't work, just own it. And if that's he had, when they turned think, against him. Yeah, if he that's had done I, that, because that was the only thing people talked about after. Like he didn't even he he left before people came to the locker room, and that's where it made it worse. If he had just like stayed and like, owned up to it, like hey, uh, that's who I am. I did it. We lost. Congrats to the Lakers. Like, you lost to the Lakers, like, to LeBron, to AD. You didn't lose to, like, nobody. Like, looks but it was two, two versus seven, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but the Lakers, you know, but it had, they, you know, they, they had all those trades. And it's still two seven. versus But it's the fact that it's two versus seven that people are going to use it against them. And all the trash talk, we're fine in the West. All these things. that Even a lot of Jaws stuff has creeped into this. Like, yeah, the whole hate behind the Grizzlies, it's just there. And I think the two catalysts of that would probably be John. Well, he and, made a good point too. The whole ducking the media and stuff and not like living up to that role you created. Your teammate now, Patrick Beverly, would never have done that. No, no, he no. is who he is, and Patrick Beverly never would have. He stays never in that would have character. won. Patrick Beverly would have stays in that character. Oh, yeah, no, you talking about the ducking way, the media? The way Dylan Brooks had. Yeah, no, 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pat, yeah, yeah. Pat, I was about to say, you, you just play with Pat. I play with Pat too. Yeah. So, like, Pat is like that. You know, Pat talks his stuff. You know, that's part of his, like, whole thing. But he's always Pat. But no, he's right. going to be the same it's way every day. He's going to show up. He'll take his L's on his chin and, and, and the W's as well. That's where the media... See, I'm convinced this is, like, all, like, a thing. Once you turn on the media, they'll fuck you over. 
You can't do it. The media oh, is wow. undefeated. The media is undefeated. Conspiracy theory, Austin? That's what I'm, we're not, doing? I'm not a conspiracy That's guy. That's what we're doing. We're saying that since he does the media, Anybody the media is in the history <laughs> of known to man, bro, if you talk negatively or act a certain way disrespectfully to the media, which we're now a part of, you now are going to get talked about just like we are right now right. in a negative way. And the more people you have talking about you negative, the more people think of you in a negative context. It's just like, it's just like sure. common sense. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, we both know Dylan's a good guy. I know Jaw's a great guy. They're both good dudes. Jaw's a fucking spectacular player. Dylan's a great role player. Jaw's a superstar. That's a known fact. But just a little couple actions and a couple things done in the media, it builds, man. It just builds. The media will feed on it because it gets views and clicks. We know it. That's why we're fucking talking about it right now. Yeah, and you know what? This is our third straight pod of talking We've about Dylan. We've talked about Dylan, Dylan bro. This We've will be talked the, about Dylan three years. I'm going to change the subject here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about Pat being your teammate now in Chicago. First of all, I wanted to talk about um, the way that Magic team that you took to the playoffs, how it kind of you know broke up with, I think you, Aaron Gordon, and Evan Fournier got traded all in the same day, yeah, something yeah, like that. Um, really broke up a little, little era for the Magic. Was that something you saw coming? Did you know that you were maybe uh, that there was a chance you would get moved? And then to to piggyback on that, walk walk us through like the process for people who just don't know. Listening, what's it like when your your name starts getting in trade rumors, and like you have to still show up to work, ready to perform, ready to work, be professional, knowing that possibly the guy that you know, the coach, the GM, whoever's a part of it, right? That you're working for is trying to move you and like trying to like, you know what I mean? Like what, what your first experiences of that? I mean, I was, for me, I was in trade rumors for, I mean, as, since my third year in, with the Magic, I feel like. Uh, I guess you had that in Philly too, right? Uh, Philly, no, not as much. No, rookie year was fine. And then when I got here first two, three years, nothing. And I signed my first deal. And then the year after that, that's when kind of, no rumors are, and at first, like when it first was happening for me, like I felt a little bit like, like is it real or not? But then, uh, like nothing happened uh, that deadline, and then ever since then, like I've never really cared for the because I just always realized that it, a lot of it is just rumors, and like I don't even know how they come out. Is it true or not? If the team calls another team to ask or. If, like in this instance, Orlando called somebody and was like, "Hey, we're looking. What do you guys think about like whatever it was?" Uh, but I always kind of brushed that aside. I never really cared for it. I think now it's worse than ever because you know social media. You have everybody just reporting all these things, and you don't know what's true, what's not. So you can't focus on that. So it wasn't a big thing for me uh, ever. Really, I was always pretty good at just putting it aside, doing my work, and whatever happens, happens. Because uh, you can't control it at the end of the day, so it doesn't really like it's really doesn't. Uh, there's no point of like you know getting upset or getting your feelings about it. So that's how how I was felt about it. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, I mean that I think we all kind of realized at that time it was we kind of had hit our ceiling just because we're always in that eight, nine, seven spot. You know, draft was always you know in the kind of mid like so you weren't really and it was hard to track free agents so. Evan was about to be a free agent. Aaron was close to it, I think, two a year, maybe. So we knew there was a possibility. We weren't like, we had a lot of injuries that year. We actually started off season really well, but we got a lot of injuries. So we weren't doing that well. And we felt like it was a you know, possibility. Uh, but even when it happened, I mean, I had, I knew, I mean, I, I had a, uh, like, talking to the front office, and you know, I had a good idea it could happen and what it could be and all that. Uh, but even when it happened, it was a big shock for me just how to, like, you get a phone call, you're like, hey, 
Like actually, I was one of the lucky ones. I found out before it went out in the media. Yeah, you know, it wasn't one of those where I read it on Twitter. So that, was, but it just called me like, hey, you know, we, we traded you to Chicago, this and that. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's just kind of how it is. And Orlando to Chicago, man, yeah. you go from like South Florida. And four hours, yeah, four hours later, I was in a plane going to Chicago. So it all happened so fast. It was a COVID year, so you had all these like stupid, uh, you know, protocols, everything that yeah, you yeah, like yeah, things yeah. that was happening. So it was. It was crazy, but it was it was just uh, happened so fast, man. Yeah. Getting traded in season is tough, and uh, I, I never, it never happened to me, so I didn't realize. Uh, but like, I got traded two days later. We're playing in San Antonio. I have like a red jersey on. Yeah, like, right, right, right. You go from a whole blue different to red. thing, like South you know, Florida, the Midwest. That's yeah, no, but like you go, like for example, you know, like in Orlando for a while, like I had my little routine. People like my, you know, my PT I work with, the strength coach was there, like the coaching staff was there for a couple of years now. I had like my little thing. It was like the bus, like everything, like everybody knew how I like my things. And now you go to a whole new team, like it's all new. You don't know anybody's names. You're trying to just kind of like figure it out on the go. You're doing your pregame routine. They're asking like what you're doing. And like, it's like you're trying to explain it. Yeah, like, kid, new kid in school. It's a lot. And like, and I was already an experienced player. Like, so, but it's still a lot. And it happens so quick. You don't have really time to like, I didn't really like have time to like digest it all until like after the season, like. Mm season was over like i came back like here then uh and then my wife and i was just like hey like like we're in chicago like it's really that's when it hit me like oh I, like it's because it was so fast I, like obviously i realized i was there but it wasn't like it was so fast you don't have time to settle like process it all and then once i was able to do that it was different but it's it was hard for me just i mean going did you, after did nine the, years in that to, when you got there did you have a deep dish pizza have you had uh, a deep dish pizza? I will say this. There is this, uh, the real deep dish pizza. No, that's not a pizza. It's like a tomato sauce pie. It's not like, <laughs> I, I'm, like I mean, but I will say this. There's this spot in Chicago. It's called Pequod's. And it's like. Shout Pequod's. I will say it's a mix of a Detroit style and deep dish pizza. Mm. And it's, and, huh? uh, yes, it's but amazing. they got great Italian food in Chicago. Oh, food, food wise, the only city that beats it in in America is New York. New York, yeah. But New York is on top. I was like, about to say Chicago is like top tier. No, I've never been. Is, I think it's the nicest city in America I've they, ever they, been they, to. They, they, it's a beautiful city. Very it's nice filmed city. for most movies. I think like Batman, all the Batman yes, movies were filmed there. Right. I actually uh, drive there almost every day throughout where they did really that the scene. Route, yeah. Bruce Bridge, Bruce yeah, Wayne yeah, vibe yeah. on the way to yeah, all those like bridges and like all stuff that's Chicago, and then like I think it's split between Chicago and New York. I'm a Batman I think guy. Pittsburgh a little bit too. I'm watching the animated series right now. We'll, we won't go on that. I like Dark Knights, but I'm not watching the cartoon. I watched the cartoon. I watched the animated series. Yeah. The old ones. Are great. Just don't want to watch it in front of me. See, they only yeah, have three. Crazy. The cartoons are great. He doesn't know. Yeah, he don't know. They, they, they had three Another seasons. You guys have they only had three cartoons? seasons, 60 episodes the first season, 20 episodes the second one, I think, like 15 I'll to 30, like something the like Christian that. Christian Bale stuff. Yeah, uh, that's like well, I actually like the, like the last Batman was amazing. The one with uh, Robert, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, it was amazing. You know what the was issue good. with that was? It was really good. It was really good. And uh, Zoe in there was. It was just, very like, she's dark. Unbelievable. She's unbelievable. Yeah. You know what the issue with oh that? Oh my god! I, I watched that. It was really dark, which I like. Batman is a dark character. People don't realize that. That was very dark. I like that. It tapped into like the other side of Batman, sure. psychological yes. problems. Like as a darker. I, I wonder if the Joker is going to analyze, uh, like overlap that the. Uh, the new one with uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Phoenix. Oh, what's the name? Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. He's in the. They have Joker too. I think Lady Gaga is playing uh, Harley Quinn. Oh, it's not gonna be Margot Robbie. No, it's, isn't that like? The, isn't that her thing? It was her thing. Oh, she's not gonna be. Oh, wow. yeah, it's gonna be Lady Gaga oh. in the new Joker. And I wonder if Robert Pattinson, that Batman, and him were gonna meet. It'd be fantastic because the Joker is like a dark, deep. It's not like an action thriller. Like the first Joker movie 
was like really like a psychological thriller. But nobody will ever be a better Joker than Heath Ledger. No, but that's why I think they went that route. I think they they, they, he, they weren't trying to match that. They, they couldn't match it. So like they went a whole different spin and theme on the Joker. It was like more his upbringing and his abuse with his mom. It had like to do with this like whole psychological like behavior, how he was so off, you know, how he was abused, how he had things done to him. That's what right. the first joke is about. It's about joke. It's a thirty for thirty on the joke. Yeah, that's, instead that's of like instead, instead of like instead being of, about Batman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's what made it so good. Like duel yeah. where he's like doing like shooting bazookas out of a truck. You know, 100%. like like Dark Knight. You know, what I mean, it's just different. So, did you guys like the Dark Knight Rises with the the Bane? I loved all three of them. I thought that was pretty good. No one talks about the Bane one. The Bane one, I don't. I don't like the ending. I don't like that they built Bane up to be this extru- like this huge badass the entire film, and then like I mean, he, he like, dies. a hand to hand combat. He, he di- no, no hand to hand combat. He dies by like the, the the backfire of like a of a motorcycle or something. <laughs> oh, like yeah. Cat Catwoman comes in and just like kills him or some shit. It's something stupid. Like no, I, no, I think Batman uh, kills his uh, takes his kills his destroys mask his mask. He was his, like he that. was already going down with the mask. Yeah. situation. but I thought it could have been like more of a dramatic, you know. Tom Hardy. I do, I do Tom like Hardy the ending. Was good though. I do like the ending when he's seen at a coffee shop. But I think the story is <laughs> famous, like the, a famous gift or whatever. I love that scene. The yeah, story yeah. with Bane is like he was, I think, beaten up in that prison. Uh, what's he was. He was killed. Yeah. In the, yeah. And then so like whoever saved him, and then uh, that's his story. And so when Batman killed his mask, he kind of dies. But oh wow, I thought it was so you're like learning new. I thought I was a Batman fan, and this guy's he's really unpacking it. Yeah, no, no, yeah, yeah, that was different. <laughs> Are, are you are you hip to Batman? You like what other stuff are you into? Like what movies? What, what movies? What music? Uh, I'm a huge Star Wars guy. Okay, but also like not you know not just like lightsaber fight like most people like I'm actually into the whole deep like like I'm a huge like Darth Vader fan, but it's because of his story like the dark side. Yeah, yeah how he yeah, went yeah. from Anakin to Darth Vader. Dark side, a constant fight in between like the whole thing. I read like comic books about it. I watched like you YouTube videos like, like comic books. You get yeah, things like that. So I'm I'm big into that. Um, I'm, I like went with like superheroes. Uh, I like Marvel movies. Um, not so much the new ones, but older ones. I like that. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings guy. Love I saw Lord the, of the Rings. I saw, I saw Lord of the Rings for the first time not too long ago. Your brother Jeremiah told me to watch it. It was unreal. It's, They're unbelievable. Bilbo Baggins. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you you you've only watched one. Sh- I watched one and I started the second one. Yeah, the second one's the best one. No, no, I heard the third one's the best. No, one. no, no, I like Ooh, Twin it's, Towers. It's a tough one. Yeah, Twin Towers is great. The, the battle, uh, the the Hell's third Deep. one is good too. But the they're Twin, all really good. Though. Twin Towers is my favorite. Yeah, I'd say so too. But they're all really, really good. Yeah, they, they are all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're long. Did you uh, did you they're see uh, the Amazon thing? What's it called? Uh, Rings of Power. Uh huh. Trash. It's not good. No, it's so bad. You can't emulate it. Is what's it called? Directing it and filming it. Um, I don't even know. It's bad. His name? Peter Jackson. Jackson. Peter Jackson. Yeah. I, don't See, think he, I know who that is. I don't. Know. But I don't know if he's doing the Rings of Power. I feel like you only know Peter good. Jackson because of Entourage. Hundred percent. He was in Entourage. <laughs> That's exactly why I know. Big Entourage. Guy. I know you only know Peter Jackson because he was in one episode of the Entourage. He was. You were a huge Entourage guy. As no, am I. I was a huge. Have you ever seen the show Entourage? Of course, yeah. yeah, yeah. That show is legendary. To this day, I will go. And watch uh, Ari Gold's funniest moments on YouTube, bro. I, I'll, I'll like stream through a season. I'll, I'll stream through a whole eight seasons, seven, whatever it is. Seven, what is it? Seven, eight, it's eight seasons. I'll stream through eight seasons in like three weeks. I do that with friends. He loves friends. There we go. He I loves friends. friends. I, my wife cannot stand me watching Friends anymore. I, I can't friends. stand Friends. Really? Really? Friends I'm a Seinfeld guy. No, I like I'm, I'm the that's the thing. Yeah, you either one or the other. I'm a huge. I like. Fan. I, I, I think I'm Seinfeld. Both. Seinfeld's my favorite show. Si- of all time, I think Seinfeld. I love favorite shows of all time is crazy. I grew up on Seinfeld. It was the best, the, the best well. comedic show of all time is Office. Office is up there, though. I have The Office, Curb Enthusiasm, Seinfeld. 
Boom, boom, boom. After that, might be Parks and Recreation. What about that's comedic though? But then that would be Martin. And if it wasn't comedy, you would go. You have Sopranos up there. If it's not comedy, the best show ever. I had Breaking Bad, I have Game of Thrones. Even though the ending was trash, but the, the whole up until no, Game the of ending, Thrones the ending is so bad. Yeah, the ending's bad. But it killed until, me. The whole thing for me, I could have. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's just. It, it is. It's terrible. It's bad. It's terrible. I didn't even see the I new one because of how bad. With, uh, dragons? dragons. I, didn't I see heard it's pretty one. good. I it's actually seen pretty it. solid. It's yeah. not Game of Thrones, but it's good though. It's good. It's not Game of Thrones. But it's not supposed to be Game of Thrones. But the, the Game of Thrones is so fucking good, man. Up and just fuck the last season. Up until then, it was so last, good. Last two seasons are a little questionable. But the way, like the way it starts, first episode when like they throw off, uh, what's his name, of, of the, uh, what's his name, the, the guy that ends up oh being, uh, Brand, yeah, Brand. they throw him off, yeah, like Luke, Jesus, <laughs> Luke, <laughs> there was no Luke back then. You're just on Star Wars. I'm just Luke. Luke. I'm thinking about Skywalker. Luke, Luke is no, but the, no, but the, the the worst thing to me is like for how many seasons was it? Eight, seven, eight, whatever it was. So those were that was eight seasons. You waiting for the seven, battle? Eight sucks. Against against the uh, seven wasn't that bad. You both don't like seven, huh? It was it wasn't as good as like you could tell there was a decline. That story. was when like Jon Snow met Daenerys. Like that was when it all came together. A little too much for me. It was like a, it was, it was a, happening like, fast. They were rushing. They were rushing. It was rushing. They needed to go that. ten. They needed ten seasons. Or they should have just gone a little more episodes. And but like you waiting for that battle for like seven, eight seasons, whatever. You waiting for it to happen, happen, and then you. Put it all together in one episode. One episode where the Ice King dies. Yes, the, it is so dark. Night, Night King. And Night she King. and she kills him. Like first off, like she's gonna, like the way like she kills him. I thought they could have done much better. And then yeah, by the way, the whole episode was pitch black. Yes, yeah, exactly. That too. It was dark. It was dark the whole episode. Yeah. And then at the end of it, the dragon like comes and like just melts the chair because he realizes that's the whole issue of the like, what? Yeah, it's, it's come insane. on, like well, right. it was bad writing. It's terrible. It, it's bad. That was that was so like, it was. <laughs> you know who? You know, like the biggest one of the biggest fans of Game of Thrones ever was Evan Fournier, and we like like he was a big Star Wars guy. I feel like every super- foreign player in the NBA. I feel like foreign people in general like. Game I have of never seen anybody be as upset over a show or movie, whatever, as he was over. <laughs> it was like because he's he's like he's really into like he read books like. Shout all out to Evan Fournier, so, man, yeah, being so the ultimate was, professional right sure, now, sure, big time. That's my guy, but he was like, I mean, I remember we and him. He was so upset. It was funny to me to see, but it like, yeah, it was bad. I was this sort of. He got upset like about like the the ending. I, I mean, oh, yeah, but it destroyed the whole thing. Like you talk yeah. about one of the greatest things ever created, just being destroyed by a terrible ending. See, that's how I feel about. Bre- I don't like the Breaking Bad ending. I don't like that Walter White went through everything to end up just. And I'm not gonna spoil it, but like, I don't like the way it ended, man. He deserved more than that, bro. I don't like it. It's like the James Bond ending. You had Daniel Craig do all of this to die by some fucking missiles. Yeah, like a spoiler alert. Are you kidding me? If you haven't seen Game of Thrones and the James Bond series and what else? Uh, I love Breaking Bad by now. James like, Bond. Dude, you watched James Bond? Wake uh, up. I haven't seen the last one, but I have. I just ruined it. He hasn't seen the last James Bond. I have not. But I want to. But it's okay. Like I'm not. Like I do have a plan of kind of seeing them all in order. But I like I enjoy watching him if I see him, but it's not like something I. The James Bond series is one of the most underestimated. I mean, I mean, he's incredible. I, I can't. I, I, I can't. Love, I've I seen don't. Him. Not only do I, not, I'm, I'm a, as a James Bond fan, I'll probably watch, but it's going to be hard for me to move on from like Daniel Craig. Yeah, I, it's hard for me nice. to picture James Bond without seeing Daniel Craig, bro. Like he killed Did you watch that shit. Pierce Brosnan, the James Bond before. Yeah, I watched him. Like the Golden Eye and all that. Die another day, like yeah, yeah. 
I watched it. It was good. Not it's, a fan? It's, not, it's not. No, no, no. I'm, I'm a fan. It's not Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig was like it was like the Dark Knight thing. Where they yeah, like deeper. they made it like a little bit more like grown, and he was like just sophisticated. He had he issues. Suits well. He had issues. You know, the, the women like he crushed that shit, bro. Yeah. I see Ildris says that. Yeah, I think he'd be good with that. Ildris, he's, they, too, he's a little too old. I think he's already in his fifties, and he is. They, it's a fifteen-year run. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it, you're right. That's why they're looking for the next one. I don't. I don't know who would be that guy. It, it should have be been so Ildris, but you know Daniel was still going. Yeah, I heard Tom Hardy, and then I don't know he's doing like Venom. Nah, 6. he's he's yeah, just yeah, as old. Yeah. How old is Tom Hardy? He's not as old. As I like when they're London based though, like or when they're European based. Like Tom some, Hardy's like, European. Yeah, Wait. I know that, that's what I'm saying. I like. I don't want it to be like. There's a couple of names in the hat right now that's like circulating, and a couple of them are American artists, and I just I just don't want it. It's yeah. a British thing, man. They're driving Aston Martins. They're fucking. They're based in London. You gotta have the accent. Yeah, you gotta have the accent. Speaking of cars, it's gotta be a London thing. Speak, I want a fake accent. Like I, I don't want it. Speaking of cars, so you guys are both super into. Cause I'm not into cars, but I know you're obsessed. Yeah, we both have some serious car collections. He's. I, you've I, always I, been into. And we both go to the yeah, same place to get little. our stuff customized. Ultimate Auto here in Orlando. They're, what a shout out! They're, 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 they're some of the best in the, probably the world. Ultimate Autos. They're, they're doing boats yeah. and shit now, but they they do some serious work with cars. And every time I go in there, he's got something in there getting done or. I see some crazy whips he's got stored in there, the Mustangs, the GT2 RSs, all those things. So, yeah, we got some serious car love. What got you into cars? When I was little, uh, just through toys. Yeah. I always like, I got some, had some car toys, uh, like the, you know, the ones you drove with the little remote. Yeah, I yeah. always enjoyed that. Uh, and then growing up, I liked the Formula One racing. I still do mm. a big fan. So just since I was little, just like toys and it kind of had happened. Uh, again, so I have like one of my... My, my best friend's also a huge car guy. We always talk about it, always follow. So, I mean, I like all kinds of cars. I'm not only into like high-end cars. Like I, I Yeah, you like I, everything. I like everything. I like even- Hot rods car that's fun. Yeah, cars like, that drive Same. like, you know, good, but they're not like crazy. Like, for example, I love the, like people, like I had a Subaru WRX STI. And uh, like, I love that car. It was a manual. It's fun to drive. It has, you know, plenty of power for you to drive. But it's not like the crazy cars that nowadays. But you could like custom and do whatever you want to it, things like that. I love like cars like that. Uh, so just all kinds of things, but just enjoying the whole, you know, DNA of the cars and things like that. Yeah, I so. got into like the science of it early. I think I got obsessed with cars when I was before I moved here to Florida. When I was like in kindergarten, pre-K, bro, I still have like flashes of when I lived in San Antonio. And I think my father at the time was doing TNT. That was his first couple of years out of the NBA. That's before like TNT really became like what it is today, yeah. but it was like the building blocks. It was him up there. And he had an ex-teammate, Sean Elliott, who played in San Antonio. Sean Elliott played for the Spurs, obviously. Um, really good player. He had a crazy car collection. And they had kids the same age as us. So my, my pops would bring me over there to play with their kids. And every day, bro, I'd just run to his garage and I would sit in there and just, I, I, it was just something. All the other kids were playing. He had games upstairs, arcade games. I'm sitting in the garage, just like looking at his cars. And like, it was an immediate attraction. That's like when I became a petrol head. And every once in a while, he'd take me for a drive in his cars. And he had a model car collection. And then at like age eight or nine, I got into model cars. I started collecting die cast 118 scale model cars. Oh, yeah. I had a crazy collection. That's all I'd ask for Christmas is basketball sneakers, the hooping, and a model car. And uh, I always told myself one day when I get old enough, you know, I'm gonna have a car collection. So I'm trying to build that now. But yeah, I'm obsessed with it. I, I like everything. I like foreigns, expensive to petrol head tuner cars to hot rods, bro. Like I, I like anything with an engine in Same, it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I mean, 
like I, there are a lot of people that like cars, but like when you ask them, they'd be like, "Yeah, like they name like the top three brands in the world, like most expensive brands." Yeah, like, like, yeah I love you know, the Rolls Royce Ghost. Yeah, that's fine. Like, dude, but like that's not knowing cars. I know. Yeah. I knew you were a petrolhead when I went to Ultimate Auto, and the cars that you had are petrolhead cars. They're like. Mm -hmm. There are cars that like will be seen on the road and someone will look at it and be like, oh, that's a nice car. Yeah. But they don't know. The people that know cars will drive and be like, yo, that was a... Like, yeah. I've seen your cars, the GT2RS, the Shelby that you have. You've had a handful of cars in there. I think you had a... What did you have? Um, What do you have right now? You have a... Uh, did you have a Ferrari? No, I never had a Ferrari. What was it? You had a GT2RS. How the fuck do you fit in a GT2RS? Well, the thing with Porsche, the 911, like the... The roof's roof. like a bubble. Yeah, because of the, so the, they can feel helmets. That was the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And so, and it, since the RS, the but GT2. But you, you got carbon bucket seats in yours, don't you? I do, but the GT2 is two-seater, so there's nothing behind. I mean, okay, okay, like, yeah. they so took the, there's no back seat, so yeah. they, I was able to move it back a little bit. Uh, I mean, I can't, like, take it on drives for, like, you know, I'm not going to go, like, cross-country with it because my back would be... Like, your back would be yeah. going crazy. My back like, goes... I sold, to, I sold mine, to, man. To drive a little bit, like, around here and there, I made it work, so... That car's a beast. It's an animal. What it's would an you drive cross-country? What, what are we doing? I would drive <laughs> when I got outside right now. I'd drive that across country. Cross-country? Anything, anything that you feel comfortable in, right? I mean, I would probably drive, like, a, a truck. Yeah, Big if trip. I was going to drive cross-country, I'd get, like, a fucking old... I'd or, probably get, or, like... I'm like, from Entourage. I, I went to Bago and just... I would get out. like an 80s, 90s like RV and like yeah. go for it, man. That's, you know what I mean? That's like, not something I really want to do. Pack for some sure. stuff in there, some treats for the friends and the homies. And By the like, way, our birthdays, both of our birthdays are in August. We should do something like that. Just go across. A cross country vibe would be cool. I've never done it before. You know that's what I mean? That's one of my things to do for sure. Cross country would be. Yeah, I've never sure. done it. I, I want to like go through everywhere, man. See shit. I, 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 there's parts it's of the, the country I've never it. been. Yeah. It's the best way to do it. You go to a close group of friends, you know, you, you pack some good stuff, you have some good stories, some troubles along the way, not too many, but yeah, I think that's a dope. That's a dope vibe. All right, before we go, I want to do rapid fire with you guys. I'm with it. Come on, let's go. Some of these questions I've already asked you, so maybe it's towards Booch, but go ahead. Feel free to jump in, obviously. No, go ahead. All right. First question What's your favorite type of food or favorite restaurant? It's a favorite type of food. It's a Italian mm, restaurant choice. anywhere in the world. Yeah. Sure. We're not going to know what it is if it's maybe outside of the world, but go ahead. I mean, outside of the country. But fuck it. Yeah, if it is. Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. shout it up. But I don't know. I mean, I've traveled so many places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Restaurant. Uh, really, I mean, it's like, slight flex. Yeah. I know, I know. It's hard to pick. Like, I mean, I don't know. Favorite restaurant? Uh, Let's go to the States. Let's go yeah, to the States. Jeez, you're so worldly. What? What? What's? Because he is. Yeah, he's worldwide. He is. Yeah, so what, what's? What's the best restaurant in the states? That, like, what's a? What's a restaurant in the states that you're like? When I'm here, I gotta go. Whether it's New York, you said New York, Chicago, whatever. Like, yeah. what's? Uh, one of my favorites in the whole like Carbone. What we got? No, one of my favorites like that I go to on the road. Uh, that's one of my favorite things to do. But like when in the NBA, just going to like every really? city, going you to like restaurant. going to like a city and going to like a nice restaurant. I always do it. I love I, that. I can't sit in my room. Like I have like I. Whoever wants to go with me, like a, like a, like I find like I actually do like research, find restaurants, the hot restaurants in the moment, oh, that's, all that's that. Yeah. I love that. But like one of my favorites, that's really I'd cool. say Nick and Sam's in Dallas. I love. Oh, I love Nick and Sam's. Nick and Sam's one of my favorites. Yeah, I'm a huge steak guy, but they have so much on their menu and everything is so good. It is good. You're eating at the bar too. You're in that fun area. You're not gonna. You're not getting a. It depends. I mean, I had both. That fun area though. It is fun. Yeah, but it's the food is so good. Like they have so their wine list is really good too. But they have like everything and everything is good. 
it's hard to find a restaurant that has such an extensive menu that everything's so good. It's it's unbelievable. That's one. It's I mean, I, I was just there a couple of weeks ago, and that's why it's fresh. But yeah, but I will say this: in Chicago, like especially this year, once everything opened up after COVID and all that, they have some yeah amazing restaurants, like some really, really, really good ones. That brings me to my next question: favorite city? How about favorite NBA city? Probably have to say, probably have to say New York. Yeah, I love New York. Is that your favorite place to play too? Mine's yeah, the Garden. Yeah, I think I'd, I'd say the Garden. That Garden and uh, the Boston uh, Garden. Too. I mean, Mine's LA. the uh, United Center. United Center was one. Of, I mean, I played that now, but it's That's still one of my favorites. Hit. But I always used to love like those three were always like because you're with the Magic. Jordan yeah, fanatic, yeah, so yeah, yeah, for sure. Hey, that was like, the next. Yeah, next is if you're. Yeah, yeah. It's usually what is it? Also, oh, go ahead and say, man, your favorite city. You like playing in LA. It's not because of the bullshit you think it is. Yeah. You think it's become like some Hollywood, whatever. It's I, exactly what? what it is. It's exactly what it's not. I, I I like LA because of multiple reasons. I'll tell you the main reasons right now. One, weather. Every time I go there, it's seventy-five to eighty degrees. It's sunny outside. It's not a cloud in the sky. It makes me feel it's good been about rainy myself. This year, I heard, but go ahead. It has been rainy, but historically. Second reason, they have great restaurants open late after the game. That's all I care about. I don't care about none of that stuff. I don't care about any of the like the vibes, the the, the scene, the Hollywood, like, I don't care about any of that. You give me good food, good weather, yeah. great city. And My, you played there for a while, too. The, I have an appreciation for Los Angeles. I was born there. I was born in L.A. I played there. I, I definitely got love there. But my favorite city to visit is Los Angeles, Miami, New York, Orlando, Toronto, Atlanta, Houston. Okay, you just named yeah, half yeah. of that. <laughs> <laughs> the place you didn't name is Memphis and Oklahoma <laughs> City. Memphis is crazy. I gave you my top six. It's, 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 it's LA, uh, Atlanta, Houston, Orlando, Miami, New York, whatever. Yeah, that's six. Okay. That's six. That's my six right now, there. I'll say, I, I love New York. I love the energy there. Like yeah. walking. I'll go there and like just walk around the city, like mm. shopping, whatever. You're not going to drive there. Obviously, that's how you're going to walk around there. And I love walking around there. I'll go walk and then like so many good restaurants. I don't think I've eaten the same place here twice since I've been in league 12 years. For sure. I love it. All that. right. Next question. Who is the toughest player in the NBA for you to guard? See, I, I hate when they ask me that question. I've never really had like somebody I can like, I can say like it was the toughest for what me. What about the newly crowned MVP, Joel? Yeah, obviously. I mean, yeah, but obviously like those players here yeah, are tough to guard. No doubt, but like I, I never had anybody I played against. I was like, man, like that's gonna be a tough. So how about this? Is it tougher to guard Jokic or Joel? Such different kinds yeah, yeah, of games. Yeah. Very who, different. Who's tougher? Who's tougher to guard, Jokic or Joel? Very different. Like Joel, like obviously you know very you know big body, physical. Like once he goes, there's not a whole lot like you can do. But the thing with Jokic that's very hard for like, to guard it is like, like just his passing. Like mm. you can't help as much. So a lot of it is one on one. Joel, you can help a little bit more. No, I mean, but Jokic, like, he'll look one way and just, like, throw some crazy, like, dime elsewhere. So you have to always, like, pressure him to make sure, like, you know, make it hard for him. So, I mean, both are hard. And it's, I mean, but which player would you go into a night like, man, I got to, you know, like, is it, is it like the same? Like, you you know, you the night before the game, you're, you're in Philly or you're in Denver. You're like, you know, I got Jokic tomorrow. I got Embiid tomorrow. To me, I mean, honestly, no, like. I feel like I've played them both pretty well and I've had good games against them and obviously it was always, I enjoyed those matchups. Like yeah, I, I, I know say, Jokic personally really well. So it's always fun for me to play with. Like I know Joel now pretty well because playing all these years and we've had good matchups always and it was fun. Like I always enjoyed, it's always like, you know, good respect. Like, I don't know, some games I play well, some, some games he yeah. play bad. Like they win, we, well, whatever. And uh, like, especially on Zerlina, I feel like I had some good, really good games. Yeah, no, you have. Me and Joel like going at each other and it was always fun. So like, 
And I, I've never, like, when I was younger, like, I don't know, when I first got into the league, like, you know, I, I went against KG, Tim Duncan, like, those guys, you know, like, they're, like, you're like, man, I got to guard these. But I think as I got older and I realized, like, like, I, I can't compete with them, I never had that in my mind. Like, it was, it was like, How about an underrated who, guy that gives you, that has given yeah, you a problem? What's, what's got in the league? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will a say great that question. I've yeah. had, like, players that I've, like, underestimated and, they're, like, they gave me buckets. Like, Ooh. For example, Robin Lopez. First Robin time. Lopez. No, I will say no, this first time. I think one of the, like early my early years in Orlando. The hook, and, man, exactly. So we're playing, and like obviously, like I respect everybody that plays in the NBA, you know. But you don't like I didn't expect him to score on me like that. You know what I mean? So they went to him in a post like one time. I'm like there, and I'm just gonna contest. He goes like two dribbles right, turns that like weird looking hook to his left like just like he scores i'm like cool next time they go back to him same thing so now i'm like all right like now the coach is like play defense i'm like mad i'm getting scored on so i'm trying to like like front him do all that but he's like he's strong like people don't really like when he like establishes himself like you're not moving him no he's a big like yeah you don't like he's like almost like you would think like he like cemented his feet (laughs) you can't move him like you can't move him he he! I swear he did the same move on me like six straight times, <laughs> and there was nothing I could do about it. Yeah, he just went two dribbles right, turned to his left, like like just held me off. That, yeah, the, the whole and it was like, a, the hook. And that <laughs> was one of I like, like great dude, man. I just did not like. I had no answer. That was like I didn't expect it to happen because they they weren't like he wasn't ever like a score a score. And he had like twenty something. So when you see like, him ever since, you get a little nervous. I'll make sure I don't. I don't. No, no, no. He makes sure he just doesn't sleep yeah. on him. Like he doesn't yeah, make sure yeah, like he's going in the game. Like you know, like, let me let me just like no. Nah, I know. Like if he's like trying to push me up, I'm like fronting him. Like no, it's, nah, nah, it's it's a moment as an NBA player when you go in there like thinking like you'll have a big assignment a Thursday and a Friday, and then you'll play again Monday, Tuesday for someone who's not as whatever, and you'll be like, all right, whew, I can go into that game like. Who's, well, it's who's more of a like mentality, and then you'll like, get fucked up because you forget yeah. everyone's a pro. It's like a trap game, but like a like a assignment. I remember my first year or two, I got 30-something dropped on me. I think it was like 37, 38. Ben Gordon fucking fried me, bro. He's, he's already validated. I get it. But, like, he's not an all-star. And he was. this is at the time when he was older. This is like older years Ben Gordon. This isn't like Derrick Rose, Ben Gordon versus playoffs, Celtics. Like, this is like, he's been older. He's a former teammate of yours, right? Charlotte. Yeah. This is Charlotte Ben Gordon. Charlotte Ben Gordon? Charlotte Ben Gordon gave me like 36 in a preseason game. He fried me. Yeah, and I was like, that's when I remember going to like, I remember going home that night, and I was like, it was like my third or fourth game in the NBA. I remember like calling my, I remember it was my dad or something. I was just like, yo, I got a lot of work to do, man. Like, the, the fuck is good up here, man. Like, he gave me the business. We played pickup with Ben Gordon in Inglewood. Yeah, but that was that was after that was like during my Clippers years when I was like after that. Yeah, then you, you're getting all the payback. Yeah, I was in my prime. Point. I was getting payback those days. I was giving out buckets those days. I was like six four in my prime, filled out weight wise, had some success in the NBA. My confidence was high. I just got a contract like that. Austin versus first year or two, trying to figure myself out, and I'm going against like Ben Gordon, like a validated pro, and he's going like crazy on me. Like two different, two different. The NBA is all mental, man. It's all fucking. You no, know who because uh, we mentioned Robin, but. Like when Brooke Lopez played Brooklyn, he was unstoppable. People don't, people <laughs> people don't that know Brooke that Brooke was a post player. Yeah, for he sure. He was a post he was, player. He was arguably maybe the best one. I want to ask you this quickly. I know you're doing rapid fire, but like you speak of Brooke Lopez, he's been able to extend his game 
just because the NBA's changed. Since you've True, been yeah, in the yeah. league to now, the NBA is totally time. different. Now everyone's shooting jump shots. He's he's a good. He's That's exactly, why I'm asking. Yeah. You and Brooke have been able to take your game and be go from like post players to being like reliable guys who can pick and pop and hit threes and extend your you know your range. Yeah. Like, how did you go about that process? How did you improve your range? That's not easy to do. Only a handful of you guys have really been able to do. It. You remember Bane? Yeah. I don't even know where he. Where Aaron Bain? Yeah, what happened to him? Where Aaron Baines? Yeah. He had a nasty injury when he yeah, went to Australia. He I was about to say. There's an article about that. Because so. yeah. he was like, he was one of those guys that, I mean, he was never skilled as you and uh, Brooke. He had post, a nice little jumper, though. But he was able yeah. to go from like a pick and like just a pick guy. He went a roller and like, or a guy had post game. You and you and Brooke had post. Bain didn't have post. But Bone went from Bane went from being like I said Bone, it's crazy. Bane went from being like an energy guy to being a guy that was the energy guy and then hitting threes, whatever. How did you go about that? Like how I, I mean it came um what I think was like I'd say Did you like know the NBA was changing? Like, yo, no, the NBA was changing do. for sure. And I was like I was a like one of my best things was shooting like mid range. Yeah. But then the the new front office came into the Magic, uh, and they were like they talked to me about it, asking me. Frank Vogel came in, I think then as a coach, he uh almost talked to me about it. Uh, not it was the second year. He was talking to me about shooting a three a little more and things That's like amazing. that. Amazing. Your head coach telling you to shoot threes. And I was I mean at first I was against it. I was like nah man I want to go play in the post. Shout I want to be in uh, mid range. Like that's where I like I'm best at. Like you take me away. That's dope. And, but they were just like, you know, but I also realized then, like, yeah, that's the way the NBA is going. It's yeah. going to extend my career if I actually okay. am able to do it. So little by little, I mean, it took time. Like, like it was, very, it's very, but you don't like, I was shooting them in practice and I was pretty good, like, you know, making them. Then you get to the game, like you shoot one, you miss one. Like, and then you want to go back down to like where you're good at, you know, especially you miss like two, three. You want to go back down there and you like. You miss a couple of your discussions. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going so what I trust. It took me like two, three or four years to actually get comfortable to where like, if I shoot like five, six of them, like it's just normal. Like that's part of my game. And I think also for my teammates, because mo- a lot of them play with me, like when I wasn't doing that, it was hard for them to like figure out like, like, bro, like, why are you popping to the three? Like you're, I'm like, that's how we play it. So once I like, but once I added that, it wasn't only like the three me shooting it. Like it was the space that it opened up for everybody else on the team. Um, Like now, like they're closing out to me. I can drive by big man. Or if they're switching, if I make one or two, then they start switching. I have smart guys on me. I can go post up. Or if they come double, opens up things. for So it opened up so many more opportunities for me to play. If I catch it on top, I can involve my passing a lot more. So a lot of it came out of that. It wasn't just like me shooting the three and doing nothing. So it opened up so much for my game that I was able to add. Uh, that has been huge for me. And yeah, it's, it's, it, I was able also to take, I think, my my uh, points per game average like from you know 16 17 18 where it was like 21 2 3 because now you're making two three threes a game it changes the whole thing like mm. it's different i have one more question for you and then i'll let you go back to your off season you have an amazing tan right now by the way i know your off season for looks sure. great like dan marley right now with this tan thunder <laughs> da- this tan is insane thunder dan. when he walked in true or false they're like okay this guy's been like bahamas or something it's crazy nah, yeah, yeah. you can definitely see he's, he's been a part of the off season club he's he's, it's he's an instant glow of the he's got a, glow. he's got a golden he's got a golden glow about his skin and he walked in very confident and yeah, 100%. It, it's been nice. Um, my last question for you. We have a running segment on this show where we talk about Austin's pet peeves. And it, it's been hilarious. He always tells us things that annoy him and he kind of goes into it. What are your pet peeves? And yeah, if like, you, you can take a minute if you want. Don't worry. It's, but, I'll give you an example. Like, I, what, are, what are some that we've said? 
Some of, a lot of them have to do with I the bathroom. I, I hate when I fly, yeah, a lot of them bathroom related, but I, I, I hate when I fly commercial and like the bell rings and everyone gets up and you can't stand. They land or, and they run out. It could be that's, like, that's, 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 that's one of mine for sure. Like the plane's not going anywhere. Like, it's we not, all, we're all getting off at the same you, time. People are fighting. That bell rings and people like stand up. Like they got to like, like it's, yeah. So one, one thing I hate on the plane also, I mean, I wouldn't say, but they came like, if you'd like bring your carry on and like, if you have to like jam in into the like, <laughs> like it's not like it's not a carry on anymore. Like if you got to like jam in like you're above. I know like, people abuse the the the, yeah, the, the, the carry on. Like, that that's one thing. Like and then like you're moving people's stuff out and like trying to like jam your thing. Like it's like you have too much stuff in it. Like I don't like when people wake me up because my seat's back two inches. Is that oh no! This was definitely uh, I'll be one of my top three. Because you're seven feet. You're, like, like, if I'm you're like standing up straight up, like, like bro, I'm not doing that. Like I hate like. If you're gonna like recline, like the just like at least, hey man, I'm gonna recline. Or, like you know, don't just like jam, like not even like oh, slow. You're talking, you're receiving oh, yeah. you're, you're talking about when you're in a seat. I think also, your pet peeve. He is the other side. Yeah, of he's the other side of the other side of the pet. He's saying, give me a heads up before you do it. Yeah, like don't just like people because people just jam. <laughs> I have oh, never given the given the warning. I've never given the warning. I've never either. turned around and been like, hey, no, I'm no, 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 I'm no, 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 no. Oh, we're, we're learning right now. You we're gotta learning. do it. You gotta just be like, hey, I'm, I'm just gonna. So you know, you gotta prep him. Like, let me ask just, you: Are you self-conscious when you press that button on the side and you're pressing back? Are you not thinking about the person behind you? Like, I'm always gonna recline back. What are we doing here? I'm gonna recline back. Unless it's like a thirty minute flight. Okay, first off, back. why do you need to recline back? You're like five eleven. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate 5'11". I'm 5'10". <laughs> I, uh, no, listen. You want to recline back to take no, a nap? Yeah, no, I'm joking, I'm joking. What am I, cattle? I, I'm not going to sleep standing up. I, straight back. You recline back at a nice angle. I'm taking a nap. Cattle's insane. Well, you know what I mean. I'm not, whatever. I don't. I turn around and take a look. Hopefully, best case scenario, no one's behind me. Big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on. You yeah. got it. I want to around. If it's a big dude, I might give him a little look. I'm never going to be like, like, Stop traffic! I'm coming back. Like no, nah, but it, when you press the button, and you go back. There's like a let. There's like a second thought of like, I'm. This is awkward because you know the person behind you is like, yeah. Oh, but I'm also getting it from the other end too. I'll though. be honest. If I was getting in my seat and I like before I got in my seat and I saw like a, a man his size sitting in the back, I would give a warning. But man, his size was sitting coach. That that's an issue. No, no, no. no. We're even talking private uh, or not? Not even private. I'm talking about uh. First class, I'm sorry. First class. If you're sitting first class and I'm sitting there and I press the button and I go back, if it's someone I see before me that's like six four, six five above, I'm gonna go and about to head back. I'll, I even say like, I, I won't say anything. I'll just give him like a little. Well, look is fine. It's gotta I'll, be. You got it. Like you got something because he's probably got his legs up. If you go, if you jam your seat back, it'll well, work. also if they have their tray out and they have maybe like a diet coke okay, out I'm, there, I'm not and, then, and, then you, and, then, and then you go <laughs> back for like a hot coffee, a diet you go coke. back, you could be looking at a little spillage. If you're waiting for like his meal to be served, his little like what, what, what do they always serve on planes? A little short rib, short rib carrots, and like a little like cake or something. I try my side. hardest not to eat plain food, but I mean, you're talking first class again. You're talking above my. You don't get. You're doing served. that thing you do. No economy class doesn't get served. Economy class doesn't get served uh, full meals. It's it's like a peanuts. I, I sit back there. Economy class is I peanuts, get, peanuts, no, and well, a there's Sprite. A menu. We can order food. What no, do you think? I it depends think on so. it. I think you can order food here. Yeah. yeah. I think in the first class, it's included oh, you're in so economy. Oh, so far removed. From, it's crazy. You're so I'm far. almost positive. I'm right about this. I don't oh think if God, you're, you know, just if you're in row ben, 33, ask, if you're in row 33 front, if you're in row 33 five, you don't get short rib and no, carrots you don't and short rib. You order like a bad wrap that's pre-made with like hummus in it. <laughs> I'm telling you, ask, bro. What's wrong with you? I've eaten on planes before. I don't know. A bad rap makes sense. 
Have you ever gone number two on a plane? Have you ever gone? No. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> Boots, there's no way you fit in one, so I don't even want to know that answer. There's no way you've gone on a commercial plane going bad. <laughs> if Boots walked out of a bathroom, I'd walk can in I be honest? Can I be honest? I've gone once. I've oh, gone, there it is. There I've, it is. I've gone once, and I, I was flushing every 10 seconds. I was paranoid. Oh, no, you and weren't. Okay. Why do you do this? I brought. Not only was I flushing every 10 seconds, I brought in, I went through my backpack, opened my duffel bag, and brought a cologne thing in there. And it was spraying. I was so nervous that a woman, more than a man, a woman behind me. It's would, a stranger. It doesn't matter. Would walk into the bathroom right after I've been in there. And just like, it, you know, it's it's not like something you want going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. And once you smell someone, that, you just never look that person the same. Even if it's I don't want to smell over. any. It's, <laughs> even if it doesn't smell that bad, if it's someone else, it grosses me out. I don't know. It's awful. It's only me and my kids. I'm okay with everybody else, bro. Like it, it, it'll make me want to gag. Wait, if you have a kid, it doesn't smell bad. It this? smells terrible. But the no, fact yeah, when you when, when it's your kid, it's like it's you, man. It's like a little mini you. It, like it doesn't even kids get a pass. Yeah, like kids get a pass. They're kids, bro. I don't know. Strange human, bro. Like let me ask something. If I'm walking, if I'm walking on a park, if I'm walking down a park and I see a, a dog turd versus a human turd on the lawn, the human. It would never happen. This is a fit. This is a fit. This is a fantasy world. If Not I my saw, fantasy. If I saw a strange shit to the right of a human versus strange shit of a dog, the human one would disturb me to a level that I wouldn't even be able to look yeah, at. Like it. Human shit is a, is a problem. There's it nothing. Belongs in the toilet. There's nothing more repulsive than it. Okay. It's like going to a girl's house and seeing marks on the toilet. We've had way too many pods where we talk about shitting. <laughs> it needs to stop. We Hopefully, have pet peeves. We have this part out too. Right. Booch, any more pet peeves? We we kind of. I feel like we tossed you the plane stuff. But that, that was a good one because the the one with the reclining seat really does uh, drive because people like you had to have like regard for who's behind you so work on it, Basha. But that's uh, something I'm gonna think about. Another one. Um, let's see, I'm trying to think about something. Like I'm, it, like uh, when I drive, like I get really upset. Like, oh, it's a road rage. Like no, I mean, but like if if. The red light, like if the green light comes on and you're on your phone, yeah, that's pop. That's terrible. Like, have like I'd say like most of my pet peeves come when like people have no regards for others around them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it can be different, like but like, very American. I love America, but that's a very like the phone. The phone it's usually phone related. Someone's just lost in their phone and not having a regard for people around you, right? Like no? that, that's most of my pet peeves comes from that. Like in but. Could you imagine getting into a road rage incident and then Booch, you just see his face and you're like, oh, I'm gonna take this guy and then. You guys pull over. And he gets out. <laughs> he walks out of the car. <laughs> he had this stretch five, just walks out of the car. That's insane. Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. All right, which I'm going to let you go, man. First of all, I just wanted to say, uh, for, not first of all, it's la lastly, I want to say I appreciate you doing the pod. Yeah, facts, I, when man. I first, Austin, this is a true story. When we first announced that we were doing a pod, he was the first person to hit me and say, I'm 100%. I'd be a guest. I'll do it. So. Well, that that's amazing to hear because we have a mutual admiration for you, man. I'm, I'm a big fan of your game. He's a big it. fan of your game. All my friends are a big fan of you. It's just from all my homies grew up here in Orlando. You're like you're you're up there, man. You're you're like the top tier, bro. We talk about Penny, Shacks, you know, you know all the guys, T Max, you know all all the fan favorites that's come to your 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 name is like one of the first people that really pop up, man. You put in work here. You put in time here. You're doing your thing for fucking Chicago. We just played them at the end of the season. Got dunked on one of my teammates for the game. And oh, one. that was awesome. Yeah, no, no. The dude's killing it, bro. Like, I've always been a big fan of your game. So Appreciate thank you for you. taking your time out, bro. Appreciate joining it. Us. And course, you know yeah. what? I think we're going to have him back again later on. I, mean, this was, I had a good time. Yeah, I think yeah. you're coming back from I, I, I want to go to like a cigar bar and put this up and have Courtney in here. And we all like Nick, maybe Nick, 
And we're like, we just do a thing where we're just like kind of smoking cigars, drinking wine, like having some loose talk about the basketball. I don't know if we can clip this on the pod. We'll see though. You can do it. You, you, might, you might have to phone Nick, Nick's, Nick's He'll say no tell. to me. He'll yeah. say no to me, but maybe one of you guys yeah, can get Nick in here. He'd do it. I think he would do it. Yeah, Nick if would do it. If it's the right man. setup, right him, conversation. Courtney, you in here, Nick's doing that, bro. I'd be a fly on the wall yeah, on that yeah. one. I wouldn't even. That would be a fun one. It'd be awesome. I appreciate you guys. That was fun for sure. So I appreciate it. Thank you, bro.